from Relay FM. This is the Pen Addict, episode 461. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Uni Pizza Ovens, and the Canalea Penco. My name is Mike Early, and I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Very good, my friend. How are you? Good, good. Are you properly caffeinated this morning? I'm about 25% of the way there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I need to work on that too. I think you need a little caffeine boost. Although I guess I am kind of amped up just because it's podcast day and that's what I do when it's time to talk about pens. Like out loud, like outside of my head, Mike, I get to say these mm-hmm. words out loud. I think people listen, although they're not in this room currently. I'm currently drinking. I've been trying a thing recently. It's known as a dirty chai. Mm. And it's a latte with some chai tea in it yeah i'm gonna give that a hard pass so hard good pass brad mm. so good okay that would be I, w- I won't give it a hard pass i'll give it a soft pass that'll be once a year i might go for that i can understand that i can understand that i might have i have a couple of them a week you know out of mm-hmm. my overall maybe two to three coffees a day a few yeah. of those in a week will be the dirty chai latte gotcha gotcha very nice let me ask you though, are you yeah. drinking that nearby a sunset over the ocean? <laughs> I'm not, but I could be. <laughs> you could I? be, Mike. Could be. It could be, because there's a new Sailor Pro Gear big release. Sailor Pro Gear caught me off guard this week, Sunset Over the Ocean. This is a worldwide limited sailor release in the vein of you know how they've done like the elements, the the earth and the sky or the air, I think they called it in the ocean. And, you know, that's where I got my last king of pen, the big bright blue one, right? This is all the shops, all the product lines, all the people get this one, you know, from, you know, the Japanese market to the U.S. market to the European market everywhere. Um, what are your initial thoughts on this pen? Um, that's exactly correct. Again, two weeks in a row, Mike. You are exactly right. <laughs> it's funny how I do that. <laughs> I like that they have a pro gear option. Yeah. I like that the blue has some sparkly going on in there. I think it's a specific type of finish. Somebody contacted us about it. I'm sure we'll have more deets in a minute. Um, and I like that there's a red finial just because why not do something different, right? But uh, I mean, I don't know why it isn't like a more of an orange than a red, if it's a sunset, right? Yeah, it definitely maybe feels a, a little a on the red barrel. side of a sunset. Um, but I would say overall, it is a nice looking pen. Uh, it's not; it's just not one that does it for me, and I can't really tell you why. But I think that's sometimes the point if you can't explain it immediately it just hasn't landed with you yeah i think it it's it doesn't hit with me as well because it's just like a, a collection of parts that we've seen before right meta shine so, brad that's this meta shine this, this finish of a very kind of like glittery embedded into the pen right so they did this color the blue barrel color like in the blue dwarf last year is maybe a little 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 brighter but um, this had maybe has a little more depth and maybe a little more translucency. But, you know, I it's, yeah, it's fine. Like, it's awesome. Like, if I didn't have any of these, I'd say this is awesome. If I have these, I like the ones I have better. You know, I think that's fair to say. Let me read you the, the, the little marketing copy, Mike, just so mm. maybe this will change your mind. A beautiful ocean sunset at the end of the day, marking the passage of time and showing the promise 
of a new tomorrow at dawn. The setting sun reflected on the sea signifies change and transformation and reminds us that everything in life has an ending. It's kind of a downer. Why does it have to do that at the end there? (laughs) This is the official copy. This isn't run through Google Translate. This is the uh, the official doc. It's like, wow, yeah, beautiful sunset. Like not a stitch of red in this orange sunset photo image. (laughs) Not one pixel of red. And then you're going to die. Yeah, I don't like how it gets there towards the end. It's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit of a downer, Brad. <laughs> it's cool looking. I if I was to go to go for this one, I'm this is this would not be a King of Pen um, version for me. I'd get one of the the smaller versions, smaller mm-hmm. of the two versions. I tend to like those, uh, but I'm also saying that as someone who has a blue King. Is of Is this the first King of Pen released since the price increase? That's an interesting question, Mike. This is a partial price increase. Okay. I this is the king of pen pricing is actually what threw me off on this because I was like, oh, that's not the new king of pen price. So I went and looked at the pricing on these. Sailor, I don't even look at the price anymore, right? I know know kind of the ballpark. We we've gone over how they had like a twenty five percent to plus increase this year, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are listed lower than the new MSRPs that they came out with in twenty twenty one, but higher than previous versions, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? So this is a non-existent price point uh, release. So the standards, let's just talk about the standards. That's the easiest one to, that's the main, probably the main line pin, right? It's the middle price pin. So they, the MSRP on those is $450, which makes them what? 9370, is that right? So like 20% off of that. Uh, 360. 360. Sorry, yeah, 360. I'm looking yeah. at the numbers here. I, I don't. I can't do math on the fly. Else. I was. I wasn't looking at the numbers, even though I have a link in the mm-hmm. doc. So, so that makes them sell for uh, 360. Where the all the the like the the North American limited editions that came out, the habanero, the the red sparkly one with the 2021 edition. Um, those the MSRP on those is 490, and that was the big price increase push that they had right so those would be like like more like 380 right 390 for the for those and i'm I'm just confused now like i don't care either way but they raised the price said here's our new price across our product line for 2021 and then introduce a new edition at a lesser price point it's like midway right between the old prices and the new prices Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any commentary on that. I don't want to be like price point guy, but now I'm just confused. Like, I don't like to be confused when I'm like talking about products because now there's three active price points yeah. for just say like a Sailor Pro Gear standard. There are currently three price points because retailers aren't sold out of the previous editions at the previous price point. They have new limited editions that got hit with the price in, the full price increase and then now this is a third price point for theoretically the same pin model. Now there could be like a quantity volume thing, but normally if you're going to do like a, a across the board price increase, it it just is right. There's not like a modification. Well, we're making you know ten thousand of these instead of two thousand well, of these. Maybe there's something, an argument that can be made to like materials. Like depending on the materials used in the pen, like Sailor don't have to have just one price for all of their products. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like if they use, I'm not saying that is what's happened here, but like, the, you know, if they use a different, if they use like a metal finial or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. it's going to cost more than if it's uh, acrylic. Whatever. Right. And that's what I'm saying. You know, they're, this one is a worldwide release. So they've, maybe they got, you know, some economy of scale with the mm-hmm. pricing on this. I'm just saying it adds confusion to the consumer. Um, even though it, in the end, I fully don't believe it matters. I'm just like, that's interesting. And it's just another little thing. So a little weird. Like the pen, it'll do well. Um, you know, and I yeah, can imagine I, what this I'm, being one like the lighthouse where I didn't want it, and then I saw it and was like, oh, man, you know what? I wish I would have gotten percent, hundred percent. I could imagine it. I could imagine the the blue finish, like the sparkly finish, the better shine, uh, <laughs> could have to it something quite quite cool looking that doesn't necessarily come across in the imagery. Like I could I could imagine that being the case, but uh, yeah, just looking at this here, uh, it this it isn't really one that that floats my boat right and i'm i mean i'm a a well-renowned orange guy but like one of my favorite color combinations is different types of blues and reds together Mm -hmm. Um, but for something about this one's not hitting right in the imagery but like if i saw it in person i i could see ending up with like the 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 middle size one i definitely don't see king of pin in my future on this one um but i said that about the tangerine too and that was just that was a really good decision i really like that pen so there you go all right, so that's our sailor talk. So the we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. The Lego member special uh, yeah. that we have recorded is going to be published on May 13th, which is tomorrow as we're recording this. So most of you will be hearing this when it's either going to be out within 24 hours or it's already out when you're hearing it. So this is a special bonus episode that we do every year for Relay FM members. You can go to relay.fm slash membership to learn more and sign up. Or you can click the link that's in the show notes of this episode in your podcast app and you'll be able to sign up and support this show. If you become a Relay FM member, not only do you get access to these extra special content uh, shows, you also get access to some other stuff that we do, crossover shows, and we have a show called Backstage and Fusion that we do every month, which are just for Relay FM members. Backstage is me and Stephen talking you through our tips and tricks for starting a podcast of your own. Fusion combines multiple Relay FM hosts from different shows every month to talk about topic and you also get access to our relay fm members discord which is a fantastic community full of wonderful people it's a safe moderated space um, it's something that we really built into something wonderful over the last year with the help of all of our fine moderators there um, and you will get access to our lego special where me and brad built the paris set over <laughs> was it three and a half hours i think but- is the is the length of the show about three and a half. Um, we didn't kill each other. Got uh, close as, though. As, sh- as shown by us being here today. Close. Us showing up to work today. Close. There are a couple <laughs> of moments where there, there I really was, lost my patience with you. It was. It's a very fun episode as always. Um, and so you can go check it out. So yeah, relay.fm slash membership to, to learn more about our membership. You can sign up on that page or if you uh, just click the link in the podcast app, it's the very top link in your show notes. You'll be able to sign up and support the show. Uh, and we thank you all so much for your support if you do that. 
All right, let's take our first break of this episode and thank Squarespace for their support of this show. They are the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace has you covered. They combine cutting-edge design with world-class engineering to make it easier than ever to establish your place online and make your ideas a reality. Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful and modern website. You start with professional design, the templates are beautiful, and you just drag and drop them everything around. They have these wonderful tools to help make it your own. You customize the look and feel, the settings, even the products you have on sale if you want to run a store with Squarespace with just a few clicks. Everything's optimized for mobile as well, so your content automatically adjusts so it's going to look great on any device. One of my favorite features when designing a Squarespace website is in the designer itself. You can click these buttons to shrink the website, like to shrink the, like, the design view. So you can see like, okay, this is what it looks like on a desktop. I press a button. Now it's tablet size and I press another button. Now it's phone size. So you can actually do all of that design work without needing to have a plethora of devices in front of you. It's really clever. With Squarespace, you'll also get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed. There's nothing to, pa- to patch, install, or upgrade, and they have award-winning 24-7 customer support as well. They'll let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and they have everything you need for SEO and email marketing to get your ideas out there to people. You can use Squarespace to turn your big idea into a new website, showcase your work with their wonderful portfolio designs, publish your next blog post, promote your business, announce an upcoming event, and so much more. Go to squarespace.com slash penaddict to sign up for a free trial with no credit card required. When you're ready to launch, just use the offer code penaddict and you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain at squarespace.com slash penaddict and use the offer code penaddict to check out to get 10% off your first purchase and to show you support for this show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of the penaddict and Relay FM. One point you reminded me there about mm-hmm. Squarespace that we never usually talk about mm-hmm. is how seamlessly it works on mobile devices. Like yeah. I don't have to do anything nope. for my blog to just show up and be easy good. to use for anyone reading it on you know mobile devices. Yep. You know, having to zoom in, you don't have buttons that don't work, like none of that stuff. You don't even have to yep. think about it. Yeah, it's it's uh, just frictionless. Works perfectly. All right, my um, <laughs> my pin cases are not frictionless, Mike, because I've added friction to them by adding more pins to slide in and out of them. My experiment to last one fountain pen, I knew it would not last long. I knew it wouldn't. Like it's a no. given. That's not how I roll. No, it may. I made it like three, four days. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a record, <laughs> but like. I, I inked up, I cleaned all my pens so I could use my Namiki Yukari Milky Way, which we talked about recently. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that pen. It needs to be used. It's an important pen to me personally. I just love it. It's it's just one of those quintessential me pens. And I'm using it and using it. And all I'm thinking about when I'm using it is, well, I miss this pen too. And I need this pen to do this thing. And I need this pen to review this thing. (laughs) And it's just on and on. So we're up to five inked fountain pens now, Mike. So I went from 10 to one to five in the span of like six days total. So, you know, whatever, exponential growth, but it's because I have some really awesome pens that I miss. So aside from the Milky Way, which I inked up with Pilot Oroshu Zuku Sukiyo, mm-hmm. which is a little bit, I don't know if brighter is the term than Shinkai, maybe greener, but it's a it's it's not a blue black, but it's it's a really really good bluish green that 
it's been the only, it's the perfect ink for the Milky Way. It's the only ink I've ever inked up the Milky Way with, and it just stays that way. Like, that's the one. So I'll clean it out and then redo it. The pen I really wanted to get inked up next is a pen I probably should review, and it's the uh, Kasama Una Ultim, which we've talked about on the show before. It's that Ultim material, which is that thick amber, like we saw um, Ian Schoen come out with some Ultim barrel pens recently. And this Kasama is just a really big, thick pen with a titanium torched grip section that's extra long like it's a really lengthy grip section that's metal and a super concave grip section in in the grip area and it's just kind of a fascinating pen to use and on top of that i bought it from mark backus and it's got a a blade turk grind on the m nib so it's this kind of cool not really architect a a more easier to write with architect nib it'll give you a little bit of additional style in the horizontal lines than in the uh, vertical lines so there's a little bit of differentiation there a little bit opposite of stub nib and i inked that up with the sailor 50 states delaware because i haven't tried any of the sailor 50 states inks yet and i've had delaware sitting here trying to figure out what to do and it's one of those magenta-y purple ones with a green sheen which I really, really like. And like, I don't need another one of these ink. I think I have like two or three of those inks already, but it's kind of a good fit for this Kasama. So between the Milky Way and the Kasama, like those pens, like I just love them. They're like my pens. They're the pens that I want to use, right? If, you know, for some reason, you know, I have to get rid of all the pens I own and can pick like a handful to keep those two definitely make the list right those right. are coming those are coming with me they're my pens they fit everything i like about a pen so then i needed a big bulky wide nib wet pen to do some writing with because i generally write small and that's what the the milky way writes small the kasama with that um grind on a medium nib, it writes kind of a medium, fine to medium, fine line. I needed a big nib, which I always like. So I, I broke out the my Nakaya Long writer. This is the black hairline one. I think I've showed you a picture of. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it before. Bought it a couple years ago, or maybe last year. Um, it has it had a broad nib when I bought it, and I took it right over again to Mark Backus. This is just very. Uh, convenient at, at the Raleigh Pen Show when I bought it and he put a stub nib on it. So this is like, this pen is hard to describe because it's way bigger than any pen that I normally use lengthwise, right? The the Kasama is much heavier, but the Nakaya is much longer and it's kind of like a paintbrush and I wanted to do some things with my writing to do that. And I also always have to have a pen with Robert Oster fire on fire inked up. I just do. I know that's my own ink, but I love that ink. I'm what not going to lie. Reason? It's an awesome ink. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to like self high five myself on that one. Okay. Um, that was like excellent, excellent ink. Don't do that too much, Brad. I know. I know. It's perfect. I did break my wrist that one time. <laughs> um, <laughs> too aggressive high five. <laughs> but like that, that big dark pen needed a bright ink coming out of it. So I, I use that. 
Yep. So, like, as I go through this, I think a lot of you will be familiar with all the excuses we make <laughs> to ink up these pens that we like. You know, you don't have to have, like, a really good excuse to go ink up another pen or to get out, uh, you know, a marker or a pencil or a gel ink pen. Like, this is what we do. We're pen addicts for a reason because we can't help ourselves because, you know, luckily in my case, I've gotten to experience a lot of things. And when I'm not getting to experience that thing and it's sitting right around the corner for me, well, all it takes is for me to stand up and go grab it like the spoke icon in purple and silver, which I've had sitting on my desk and I was using it to test out if long international ink cartridges, Mike. So you're familiar with the short international ink cartridges that come in, you know, like almost any pen you get, they'll just pop in a little ink cartridge. Um, especially for like the smaller pens like Kaveco's. Well, you can actually get long cartridges from a few companies. And I had a Pelican, Edelstein, Tanzanite ink cartridge sitting here that I wanted to test how it fit inside the spoke icon because it's a cartridge converter pen. And I was certain it would fit, but I'd never physically tested it. So once I did, saw that it fit, I was like, well, let's just ink this bad boy up. And this is how you end up with like 50 pens inked because of a stupid test of trying to fit an ink cartridge into a pen barrel to see if it works. And now, well, that blue-black would go nice with this purple and silver pen, right? Wouldn't it, Mike? Like, I feel like that's the right thing. Mm -hmm. And then, Mike, sometimes... (laughs) I feel like you were trying to explain this to me in a way to, like, as somebody who won't understand. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and sometimes you're trying to explain this stuff to people and you're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 but no, you don't get it. No, I get it. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make myself feel better at the same time and know that I'm racing towards 10 pens inked again and going to have to clean everything. I'm going to have to break out the scorched earth method again in like a matter of weeks at the rate I'm going because I had to ink up, Mike, the Twisby 580 Mm -hmm. AL Prussian Blue with a 1.1 millimeter steel stub nib to review the Pinonia Vatacor, Vatacucor Cotton Candy ink, which it turned out to be an awesome ink, one of my new favorite inks. I love the color, love the color. And that pen in that review is exactly what needs to happen. Yeah, right? it's That's kind of the perfect. pen for that review. It's like the this images are good. Muted, muted blue with like a muted pink and a demonstrator, and it just works. Like that's the move. As you can imagine, um, uh, there was a conversation about this ink at home this morning. I cannot wait. Like I, that was on my <laughs> list to ask. How did this conversation go? Because when I was reading, so Pinonia, the founder, I it, it's in my article, and I, I forget his name. I apologize right off the top of my head, but you can look it up while I'm rambling. It's Mat- he, um, Mate. Mate. Yeah. I don't, I don't know the right way yeah. to say that. So he mentioned growing up, the only thing he ever saw uh, for cotton candy color was white, which makes complete sense, right? It's made mm-hmm. from white sugar. You know, all the the stuff we see that's blue and pink is just all, you know, food coloring and dyes. And so he's like, I never saw pink cotton candy till I watched the Cartoon Network when I was a kid. And I was like, oh, cotton candy can be pink. So uh, how did this conversation go at your household? Because the uh, the maker of the Pannonia ink is Romanian. Yeah, it's a Romanian brand. So this is why I brought it up. I was like, oh, Brad's mm-hmm. reviewed this Romanian ink. And I sent Adina, I sent Adina a link to it because my, my wife, Adina, was also born in Romania. 
and we were just chatting about it. The Cartoon Network thing is particularly interesting to me because I feel like I hear from it also from Adina lots of stories about Cartoon Network and gr- growing mm. up. It seems like maybe more than in some parts of the world, it seemed to be quite formative for her. Mm. I, I, th- I would assume it's because it was the main kind of uh, bridge to American culture. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like communism fell in the early 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in Romania, so they, you know, they had the revolution, and it was a big deal as the the rest of the world was able to start kind of coming in to what was then a previous like communist country. So I, I found it interesting. We were looking at it; the, the ink itself looks kind of cool. I just like to see it. I feel like I don't, I don't feel like there's a lot of Romanian companies in this hobby. So it was nice. To yeah. See. Yeah, it was really cool, and I'm I'm very impressed with the ink. So I'm gonna get some more to try, mm. um, you know. So um, that you know, normally a lot of times I'll do these and I'll keep them for uh, for a week or so, week or two. Like if I've done an ink review, and if it like really sticks, then it'll just kind of sit in the rotation for a while. And I think that's what's happened um, with this one. It's a really really enjoyable ink and ink color and a good match in the pen. So, and have you tried any other inks from this brand? I haven't, but, okay. but that's at the top of my list. Like as in, I'll probably be ordering some this week. So, um, looks like good colors and he does something interesting where you can buy the ink or you can buy the ink and he'll add shimmer. Like it's a like it's an shimmers now like an add on which I find hilarious. I assume you, this is if you buy directly from them, right? Yes, 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 yes. Not okay. the pre, like, not like the uh, wholesale to retail. Um, but I think if you just buy directly, you can do that. As as far as I read, so that led me down the path. So those are my five pens inked. My excuses for inking them. Um, I'm very happy with the situation, and probably by next week I'll have five more pens inked on top of these, and then a month from now we will yell or I will yell about how I have too many pens inked up and we will rinse and repeat uh, throughout the year and throughout the rest of our time here on the Pen Attic because this is what we do. Last little bit, another reason why I can't ever just have one pen inked up is because for paper testing, it's important to have different fountain pen nibs and inks to test. Mm -hmm. So my fine pilot nib... And the Namiki is only going to tell me so much about the different papers I'm using right now, which I'm testing in the Midori MD Cotton Pad and the Moramon Glyphy, which is the hardbound notebook companion to the Moramon Croquis that I was uh, fawning over, uh, you know, weeks ago. So Moramon sent me some of the Glyphies to test out. There's more testing to do. I need to do some side-by-side comparisons between the new Glyphy that's in these hardbound covers. It's really good for fountain pens. Like, it's really good. It just feels different than the Croquis that I was just absolutely mm. head over heels for, right? Like, which is fine. Like, they can be different. Well, I just is, want to be able to try to determine this. Your expectation from what Moramon said to you is that it's the same paper in a different, fo- like in an actual <sighs> notebook format, right? I don't know that that was my crystal clear expectation. Okay. I was hoping that that was the case, but they call this product Glyphy and they call the other product Croquis. And is that because of the way they're bound or because of the paper inside. Mm-hmm. I think theoretically Mormon is saying 60 GSM cream paper is the same for both of these. 
and I'm trying to determine if that's actually the case. To me, right off the top of my head, it feels slightly different. Like the glyphy page feels softer. And the thing that I loved about the croquis paper, it was is a very firm, kind of like a crispy feeling paper, which, um, you know, that's an official, official term. It's on their marketing, Mike, um, right next to the sunset picture crispy. and death. Um, it's crispy. One. It's crispy. So yeah, I, I got to figure that out. So I have these all sitting side by side and I need like, like need air quote, need all these different fountain pens and inks and nib types to test it out properly just to right. see the results that I'm getting. So, you know, that's, uh, that's how a pen addict escalates from one pen to five in the matter of days. And there's no ends in sight. Like I shouldn't fight these things, right? These are no. just not things we should ever fight. Like, we do a it's podcast that has, like, you know, we're on episode 461, Mike. I shouldn't worry how many pens I have inked up. All the pens. Ink all the pens. But that, that's what I do, but people tell me not to do that. Mm, well, no. There's a next difference. Next week, by the time we've recorded <laughs> next week, my plan is to have done the, I don't know, biannual cleaning and refilling of everything. <laughs> yeah, ink all the pens. Just clean them on occasion. Yeah. That's the issue. Yeah. It's not the inking of. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Uni Pizza Ovens, the world's number one pizza oven company. They make surprisingly small ovens that are powered by your choice of either wood, charcoal, or gas, letting you make restaurant-quality pizza in your own backyard. Uni Pizza Ovens are incredibly easy to use, and they're super portable. They're going to fit in any outside space. Uni Pizza Ovens can reach temperatures of up to 900 degrees Fahrenheit, 500 degrees Celsius, which lets you cook restaurant-quality pizza in as little as 60 seconds. That high temperature is what you need to really make the best effort here to really get that incredible result is what's going to set the pizzas that you can make in an uni pizza oven apart from what you can make in a home oven. One of their pop most popular models is the Coda 16. This is a gas-powered oven that can cook up to 16-inch pizzas with their innovative L-shaped burner so it gives you even heat distribution across the whole surface of the pizza. Uni Pizza Ovens start from just $299 with free shipping to the US, UK, and EU, with two of their most favorite coolest models being the multi-fueled Uni Caro, so you can choose between wood, charcoal, or gas for your pizza, and the Coda 16. Uni also make an amazing app that can help you perfect your dough recipe and give you loads of pizza-making tips. Brad, can you tell our listeners some one of your uh, Uni experiences? <laughs> you know what, you, what else you don't have to clean, Mike? You, this, you're, you're a good uni customer you don't ever have to clean this oven because it is on fire and just burns all that stuff off of there. oh yeah yeah you can just basically you just dust right at the end of yeah it. you just clean yeah, it it's just <laughs> dust and then like whatever's left just adds flavor to the next pizza like that's part of having like this you know this this brick oven style mm -hmm. personal pizza oven like it's amazing that way and the other cool thing is when i take the little laser uh temperature gauge like yep. the little laser laser pointer and that thing says like 700 and something degrees you just go whoa and they're like there's no way like my pizza is is gonna be that dust and you throw that pizza in there and like 30 seconds later it's like perfect man it's like the best. It's the one, like one of the most unique products I, I have ever tried, and I just absolutely love it. Listeners of this show can get 10% off their purchase of an Uni Pizza oven, which could be up to $50 off at Unicoda16. Just go to uni.com, that's O O N I.com, and use the code UNIPENADDICT21, that's all one word, 
O-O-N-I, Pen Addict 21, at checkout. When you're there, you'll also find a great range of accessories from peels to cutters to oven tables. Everyone's making pizza at home right now, especially as we get closer to those warmer summer months, and this is the perfect tool for the job, which also explains why Uni Pizza ovens are in such high demand. Uni Pizza ovens are the best way to bring restaurant-quality pizza to your own backyard. So go to uni.com and use the code UNIPENADDICT21 for 10% off. Our thanks to Uni Pizza ovens for their support of this show. So we had a uh, Ask TPA question. We're going to do some more in a minute. But this was one that I felt warranted maybe breaking out into a just a discussion topic rather than a simple like, answer mm-hmm. to the question. The question came from Jack, and Jack said, some pen shows seem to be planning to happen this year. What is the first pen show you will be attending? I don't know. I'm not anxious to necessarily get back out there. Um, and we've kind of covered this a little bit. I'm moderately tempted if a show is in driving distance like maybe later this year like fall winter time yeah yep. i have no desire to travel through an airport or flying an airplane even though you know like all the all the science ports points to you know all the proper mitigation techniques and the way that the you know the the airflow works on the planes everything looks good but it's just being around that many people when I don't have to is the real reason why. Like, I don't have to be there. So just wait. Like, mm-hmm. why? Why rush? I, I, I'm not in a rush. Put it that way. Would I love to go to three pin shows between now and the end of the year? Absolutely. Like, I miss being out there. I miss seeing all my friends. I miss talking to the vendors. I miss hanging out at the hotel. But I don't have to be there for my job right so you know can i do my job better if i was there maybe but like i don't have to be there so i'm not going to force anything so that's why right now i have no shows on the calendar for the remaining of the year theoretically that could change i kind of doubt it will but i i'm open to that changing but i don't know that it will and it's certainly not going to be before this summer like I'm talking like September, October, or later if something works out. Like, I'm not anxious to go to San Fran or D.C. or to any of the shows earlier in the Mm. summer than that. I'm just not ready for that yet just because I don't have to. Like, I'm I'm okay. I, like you, right, would love to be able to do these things, to, to go and do them. I can't imagine being this year any kind of large gathering thing, conference, pen show. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't imagine doing that this year. Um, next year seems very likely. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm not vaccinated yet. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that before the end of this month, I will have booked my first jab. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be fully vaccinated. I don't know in like a you know a couple of months from now because we we mm-hmm. do it like twelve weeks apart here. Um, okay. So you know by kind of the end of the summer, I should be good. I just don't think that the world will be in a place kind of in twenty twenty one to pull off one of these things with complete success uh and you know and and for without fear of of people getting sick and also just from a 
comfort level for people of, of getting back to normal. Like I could imagine by the end of the year, say in most places in the US and a lot of places here in the UK or in, in you know other countries in the world, that you would be able to do something like this and, and it wouldn't mm-hmm. be too tricky. But you know, you're inviting travel from all over the place to these types of events. And I just think that it's maybe a, just a bit of a push like more of a push than, mm-hmm. than is needed. I, I think that if we just give it the best part of six months from now, maybe a little bit longer, kind of into 2022, I, I just think that it makes more sense to wait. Yeah, and to backtrack on my comments, I'm saying this uh, as someone who is fully vaccinated. I'm had both shots and I'm past like the waiting period. Like I'm done. There's societal norms that need to come back, right? Like, yeah. It, it hasn't been an incredibly long time, but it's been a mm-hmm. long enough time that we all kind of just need to reacclimatize a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think the rest of the questions surrounding this are actually more interesting. Um, like, do we think there'll be a change long term with pin shows, like going into the future? You know, do you think people say, let's just let's just scrap this year, right? Let's say next year. Mm-hmm. Do you think people are going to be hesitant? Do you think they're the pin show? calendar is going to remain full and the attendees and vendors are all going to want to attend. What are your thoughts on that? The long term is dependent on the medium term. So Mm -hmm. in theory, in the long term, there's no reason why we can't return to pre-2020 events and stuff like that, right? Yeah. There's always been uh, sicknesses and illnesses and even pandemics, right? Like it's, depending on different parts of the world, have had more um, kind of experience of this than others. But this just becomes a part of our lives if we get uh, booster shots for coronavirus like we do for the flu, right? Like it will just become mm-hmm. a thing that we do, right? And it's just you, when you get your flu jab, it may also you may also get a coronavirus booster and that's just the way that we deal with this now for the into the future, which seems very doable. Yeah. So in the in theory, from my perspective, I'm not a scientist or a doctor. In the long term, I don't see why we couldn't return. But the long term, I think, is dependent on the medium term. Because if either A, there is something else that happens, some other kind of delay that pushes it further, right? Like we could still be having a rocky period for a while. We don't know yet. You know, the the last eighteen months, things have changed so rapidly at points. You know, in ways that you never would have expected. So anything like that could still happen. But there's also kind of like, if in the medium term people don't want to do these things because societal norm changes, or vendors decide not to go because they think there won't be much of a market, it could reduce the amount of pen shows that are feasible. And if that reduces, then the long term changes because the medium term was affected. Mm-hmm. So that that's what I think it is, right? Because like as a vendor, are you going to take a gamble on cost for the first one that you go to? Like, could you go to go back too soon and there won't be that much of a market, or could you go back too soon and everything gets shut down? Or maybe right. there's like a boom opportunity for those that are first because consumer spending is up. So right. it's hard to make right, that right. decision, right? But that's, that's what I think the decisions that people make kind of late 2021, early 2022 in regards to this specific thing, I think will dictate what happens going on after that. 
Yeah, and I think the vendors are the ones with the real questions, right? We're even though like I've been a vendor at shows, I consider myself more of an attendee, right? Like I don't have yep. to necessarily do it as a as a vendor. Um, so like attendees can make a much simpler calculation than vendors do. And I think that's where the some like some of the challenge is gonna lie. I think, you know, you know, next year I think we're gonna I hope, I mean, I'm knocking on wood. I hopefully we have a pretty normal year and when shows are back and, you know, if, if, you know, the, the pandemic issues have gone by the majority of the wayside, like I think shows will be fine and vendors will be fine and it'll be an enjoyable experience. I think maybe overall, like the short term, maybe not medium term, but like I could see the, you know, the weekend visitors being a little bit less as opposed to like the day trippers, right? where we've always right. said if you can go make it a weekend you know come in thursday night or friday morning and leave sunday afternoon you know that might be a few less but maybe that wasn't a huge number anyway i don't know that's just my thoughts i think it'll get back to mostly normal next year is is, is at least my hope and, and desire so um you know just the the vendors i think have the the biggest the biggest challenge just yeah, from a cost perspective. there's a cost right um there's costs in multiple ways. You've got to get there, but then you're also bringing all this stock and stuff, and you know it, it becomes it's quite an expensive affair. You've got to hope that you'll make your money back. It's not really mm-hmm. the cost of the table so much. I feel like it's no, the no, other no. costs That's that surround minuscule. it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I don't so know. So it's a really it's a good know. question. We'll we'll keep addressing this probably through the year. We'll probably have this come up a few more times, especially once shows start to happen again. We'll get some reports from people who were there and what was it like. And yeah, were I'm there really any changes I'm, that you saw. I'm really intrigued to see how some of these pen shows go. I, I to my understanding, there are some in this, this summer, right? Yeah. So Raleigh is happening in June sometime, but that's a smaller that seems show. Way too early. Yeah, which is you know it is pretty early. But the two big shows are San Francisco and Washington D.C. They're both in August, so that's when I'll we'll see. And then I think Chicago is in September. So yeah, August September feels to me like the very earliest that something like this could happen. Yeah. But to like me, I said, for my personal taste, it's still too soon. I wouldn't go. Yeah. Like I said, if I lived in San Francisco, would I make a, a do a day trip or like a spend plan on an afternoon there? Yeah. But I'm me. I'm not traveling across country to go to San Francisco in August. Mm-hmm. Right. The, I think those are the differences where we're at now where next year, you know, that calculation will probably be different. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to track. Yeah, yeah. You know why, Mike? It's why? it's interesting because I can buy some pretty cool pins online too. Oh, look at you. You're so smart. Look at that. It's mm. beautiful. Uh, when a, this episode is very kindly brought to you by the Canaleo Penco. Canaleo Penco make stunningly beautiful pens inspired by images of Hawaii. Canaleo's founders, Hugh and Carol, believe that these locations can help recharge our spirit and connect us with nature, and they embody that in their products. The execution of these pens, though, is what truly sets them apart from the rest. Every single Canaleo pen is handmade in a process that means that no two pens are ever going to look alike, and every nib is tuned before it ships to a customer. So Hugh of Hugh and Carol, make sure that every single nib works great. So you're going to get something that's perfect and unique just for you. And we're going to remind you about something that they've got right now, which is truly very special. To celebrate their fifth anniversary, Candelaya have created the 
Honokalane Mailei Lei. This design of the pen that they've got here is really fantastic. It is inspired by Hugh and Carol's first ever trip to Hawaii. It's based on the stunning visuals of Honokalani Beach with crystal blue waters and glistening black sand. And these elements are captured beautifully in this pen, which has these wonderful clear like uh, parts of the blue acrylic with these beautiful black, like kind of rock-like sand um, kind of ribbons, I think is the way we described it before, that, that kind of flow through the body of the pen. You should go to their website and look at it. It's fantastic. But what makes this pen even more special is the band that they have around the cap. It's designed to evoke a lei made of mylay leaves crafted in Argentium silver. A mylay leaf lei is used to signify special events in one's life, which makes it the very perfect accompaniment for Canalea's fifth anniversary pen. This model featuring the mylay lei band is only offered in Canalea's classic style of pen, so it's got like the larger cap to the body, but the Honokalane colorway itself is also offered in the classic pinched and classic slim models as well. Canalea pens feature Yoa number 6 nibs, and you can buy steel or 18 karat gold nibs directly from Canalea. They offer sizes from extra fine all the way to 1.1 millimeter stub, and every pen ships in a beautifully packaged keepsake box. There are also many more beautiful models of Canalea pen for you to check out. There truly is one for everybody. If you order now both the Honokalane Mailei Lei with or without the band, so that you can get the Honokalane as well, will be shipped within four weeks, and a portion of every sale will be donated to the Maui Food Bank and a homelessness resource center in Hawaii as well. Go and see for yourself right now at canaleapenco.com. That's canaleapenco.com to choose your aloha today. And Canalea also wanted us to send a special thank you to listeners of this show for the wonderful reception for the uh, Honokalani so far and for all of the messages they've received congratulating them on their anniversary. Uh, Brad, I have not been able to put this pen down. <laughs> I'm using it right now. I have fallen in love with it. Here's what I want to say, and this is a, a general, well, it's not general, it's specific to the Honokalani. So... Canalea doesn't make pens. They execute on a vision and they execute on a story and mm-hmm. they try to tell that. And I think this pen is one of the best executed in quite some time. And that's that's saying a lot because they're all generally executed very, very well for what story and vision they're trying to tell. This pen feels like I have the ocean in my hands and just dug my fist through a big big pile of black sand it looks it looks like i'm right there it's really cool i love this pen i think it's exceptional they did they did a great job with it i think it's, uh, something it's one of I the best mention. executed in some time so yeah something i didn't mention on that note when i first opened this pen um i opened the pen box before i looked at the related materials and when <laughs> i took it out i was like oh that's like black rock faces in a and a blue mm-hmm. ocean. And I looked at the image and I was like, yeah, that's completely correct. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what the image is. So that this that was quite an interesting experience. So I uh, thanks to Canalea Penco for the support of the show. You should go check out their wonderful pens right now, especially this new one. Let's round out today's episode with some hashtag AskTPA questions. First one comes from Wintercharm from the Relay FM members Discord. I currently have a Lamy 2000 Extra Fine and was wondering if anyone had ink recommendations for it, as my pilot Hiroshizuku Kompeki is finally running low, so it's time for another ink. I want something fancy that stands out a bit, but is okay to be used in a work environment, so... 
Not too colorful. I'm hoping for maybe a gray ink that has some kind of fun splash to it, but also won't jam an extra fine nib, so nothing too shiny. But a tiny bit of sheen is okay. What do you got, Brad? So gray is traditionally a tough ink color to get exactly what you're looking for Mm -hmm. in an ink, right? So you can get like a good standard gray that's like a good writing ink, and it's like, oh, yes, this is gray, and it seems fine. Or you can get these grays that have all these weird offshoots and almost like these pastel-y undertones and just some wild, wild stuff. The best thing I can tell you if you're looking for a gray for the Lamy 2000, uh, which is I think is a really, really good choice, to be honest, go to Kelly's blog at Mountain of Ink. And I'm going to put the link directly to the gray ink page. So, and I think there's there's two... Can I just pause you for a second and just once again underscore how incredible a resource Mountain of Ink is, (laughs) the website? It's so good. Yeah, I brag on her every week in refill. Um, Like she does, she's really exceptional. Kelly provides a service to the pen community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, so she has a, a gray ink page, and you can do this for any color. And there were two that stood out to me, and I'm just saying the ones that that I've used. You can go and and sort through all these reviews. Click on this on the swab, take you to the review. The Diamond Earl Gray is a darker gray ink, which I think is really really good for work. Right? It may not have this ultra character type of stuff that you want, but it's a good gray, good shading. It's dark. It's going to be dark enough to read at work. The second one is an ink that surprised me when I used it. It's a Robert Oster Australian Opal Gray. It's a little bit lighter than the Diamine Earl Grey, but it has some interesting uh, characteristics to where you get some like purple undertones and some just really interesting looks. So go check those out and um, and get some ideas from there. But those are two that I've used that I would certainly recommend and that would work in the, the Lamy 2000. I think the Earl Grey might be a better choice just from a readability and an extra fine nib. But if you had a broader nib, the Australian opal gray might be a good choice. Let's do another question about the Lamy 2000. It comes from D Green. Hypothetically, this means it's not hypothetical at all. Hypothetically, if a new to you Lamy 2000 fine was quickly becoming a favorite, even though it wrote a little wide, but it took a tumble and then wrote slightly broader and more scratchy, who would you send it to to get it <laughs> writing perfectly again? Number one, I, I like all these Lamy 2000 questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I, you're in pretty good shape, not because you dropped and broke your pen, theoretically, hypothetically. But if, say, if someone were to do this, that's a decent enough pen and a pen that a lot of people have experience with that you could send it to almost anyone to get it. Uh, get it taken care of so i don't know where d green lives but you know if you're on the east coast of the united states for example you could send it to mark Bacchus. if you're on the west coast you know you could send it to gina at custom nib studio if you're in europe you could get in touch with uh applebaum and have annabelle take a look at it and so you know tell me where you are email me and i can give you some specifics but like there's so many people i would recommend for this work because i don't think it would be a massive challenge to get this fixed especially from what you're saying this would actually be an easy fix for anyone i believe all right, Composaurus 2 asks, it's funny that there is another Composaurus. Anyway, new to fountain pens, 
but enjoying them immensely. My pilot metro seems to be unscrewing itself. Am I doing something wrong? Also, how do you feel about demonstrator pens? So the metro, the only thing I can think of is the metro is a snap cap. And if you're uncapping it but putting a twist into it, that could be like a telling factor. Um, otherwise, you shouldn't be doing anything wrong. That threading is strong enough to hold tight while you're writing with it, right? Unless for some reason you have like an ultra, you know, pressure handwriting that could cause some type of tension there. But I really, really doubt that's the issue. I bet it's some form of twisting when uncapping. Because um, I think, I, am I... Now I'm second-guessing myself. Do those actually have a snap cap? I think they do. So that would be my guess. Otherwise, you're pro- you're probably doing something wrong because uh, that the should way, not be It's happening. the way you're storing it, right? Like there's something going on with the way that it's being stored. Maybe yeah, like if you put it in a like in an active, if it's actively moved, like in a pants pocket, right, mm-hmm. where you clip it and it's always going to be slightly moving, then yeah, it might get a, might get a little bit loose. So. Um, how do you feel about demonstrator pens? Give me all the demonstrator Love pens. Them. I'm Love 100% them. in demonstrators. I understand why people don't like them. No, I'm I'm on the opposite end of the ledger. I, I could have every pen be a demonstrator just about. I, I love them. All right, next question comes from Side Rose, who asks, if you were to, sp- to pick, this is, I think this one was pretty much for me, but if yeah, you were to I pick love it, a specific ink to sponsor a Formula One team, who would you pick? I'll first go with Monteverdi California Teal for Aston Martin. Uh, I was at first frustrated to see a California ink sponsoring Aston Martin, who is very much a British team. But then when <laughs> I looked at the ink itself, it's kind of a green of a pink sheen, which is mm-hmm. that's exactly Aston Martin's colorway this year. Uh, I have two answers. I was thinking about this for, I think, too long this morning. Uh <laughs> as I was preparing for the show. Uh, one is kind of a joke. and then I Actually, I have three. I have one that's kind of a joke. This is probably one for F1 fans, which is considering Ferrari seem to love bright green so much, I'll give them some Ackerman 28 because clearly they love bright green now. This is a joke which is <laughs> dead for Brad, but it's very... Yeah, uh, I got nothing. But F1 fans will get it. Um, fire on fire for McLaren. Clarence, yeah. p- papaya orange, they call it, but I think a good orange ink they need. Um, and I would go with Sailor Ink Studio 223 for Mercedes because it is a really nice gray ink which has got some like purple green in it, which would mm-hmm. look particularly good on Lewis Hamilton's car because they are a gray and black. Uh, the livery of the car is gray and black. Um, mostly black now, but it's got some gray in it. It used to be more silvery gray than than, it, than recently. They changed it for good reason over the last couple of years. Uh, but Lewis wears, uh, he has a lot of purple in his helmet because he's sponsored by Monster, I think mm. is a reason for that. Um, and so that would work very well for him. So they're my three. I loved that. That was my favorite one because I went and looked at that ink and like I went and looked at the car. So you're right. Like I know, I know F1 from like a headline perspective, right? Like Mm -hmm. I recognize like three of the drivers' names Mm -hmm. and you know some of the uh, some of the teams. So I went and looked at the uh, at the F1 team colors. Like they they have like all the cars um, like on a page. So if you look on that website you put in the Mm -hmm. notes, right? So you've got all the Mm -hmm. colors. uh, They've got all the cars here. You see Ferrari, yeah, number four on this list. It's all red, right? Click, click it and take a look at the actual picture. And they've got that big uh, green yeah. M. So there's a couple of things about oh, this. Wow. Which are, 
Right. This, this, here's some con- some controversial stuff for this. So one, and it's got an arrow in it. Yeah. Well, you'll one you'll notice that it's not in the actual official coloring because they can only have this in certain places because this mm-hmm. is a company called or an organization called Mission Win Now which is one of the worst mm-hmm. logos ever created in all of mm-hmm. human history because it just looks like Mission Winno it's so bad mm-hmm. like their actual written out logo and Mission Win Now is a collaboration effort between Ferrari and Philip Morris the tobacco company <laughs> Now, Great. tobacco companies used to be the the big sponsors for Formula One. Sure. Right? But sure. when tobacco then tobacco got outlawed for advertising, right? You can't advertise tobacco anymore. So that was a big uh a big loss actually for Formula One. So Philip Morris and Ferrari created this company which is really nebulous of like fostering yeah. innovations for the future but they don't really seem to do anything like i can't but so they've created this thing together and for some reason an incredibly unknown reason they decided that they were going to make the mission win now coloring on the ferrari this year bright green which is horrific yeah, but also it's, it's not on the like official livery of the car i think one because it's so ugly like on all the imagery but two Mm-hmm. They actually cannot have this logo in every part of the world. <laughs> there are some parts of the world where they take it off. Terrible. Ruin the Ferrari car this and year. At le- I, mean, I mean, if you're gonna make it that bad, at least like at least make it Italian green, right? Like make it the Italian flag. Green yeah, or something. yeah. Actually, it's they, just, they, it's they just a bad logo and a bad location and a bad color, right? Yep. It's just a bad design decision. Yep. So I looked at this. I looked at the main page, right? The one through ten team list. Um, I couldn't really think of any inks, but I thought of two pen things right off hand. One, the McLaren that you did the fire on fire ink, just the main page image looks exactly like the roadie uh, Bondi to me, which is a blue and orange pen. And that's like all I see when I look at that car. And second, if a pen company were to sponsor, like to be the, the headline sponsor, not just like a side sponsor of any team or any car this alfatari car the way they have their logo looks like it could be something from mont blanc like i could see a mont blanc uh logo being you know swapped out for alfatari's main logo here on that car that looks like a mont blanc car to me so that that that's my takeaways from this but i i wish i f1's one of those things that like i might slow roll into in a few years like i did let soccer, me tell but you i can only do so many things at a time i mean if you're intrigued watch drive to survive the documentary yeah. on netflix because yeah. that's what's getting so many people like us hooked on exactly the show, uh, on the, the sport now exactly exactly so no that's all i've heard and i just haven't had time to do it and like i'm i'm super tempted just like i i was super tempted by uh soccer and and fell in head over heels i know i would get that way uh with the way f1 f1 works and operates too so yeah be cool and then let's bring this uh right back around to the beginning of the episode given sailors recent price increases to the small and medium-sized pens does that change their order in your top five 100 to 200 and 200 plus categories? Absolutely. So okay. I haven't looked at these lists in a little bit, and they are ripe for disruption now. And that was the thing always with these lists is there wasn't a lot of change in this list because there wasn't a lot of movement or there was nothing new that necessarily came and, and took out these spots. So, you know, looking at the top five fountain pens from 100 to 
200, it's platinum 30. This is what I had them uh, ranked one through five. So I had the platinum 3776, the sailor 1911 standard, which is is the small one, uh, the pilot vanishing point, the Lamy 2000, and the Pelican M205. So this is a wide range, and there's a lot of options from 100 to 200. That's almost too big of a range. Sailor 1911 and standard would be out completely because they're not in that price point anymore. Um, yeah, I think Platinum 3776 is still the best, probably, in that range, but they're one price increase away from being over $200, right? Like, they're up to 180-something now, 188 maybe, um, where before they were in, like, 160s, something like that. So, you know, and... I think my question to you is, do you revise the entrance in the categories, or do you revise the category amounts? I, I think it's both. Like, I wouldn't revise the amounts to forcibly fit groups, right? I would revise the amounts because that's what the market says is a popular range now. Yep. Right? So, like, I think this if range... If all the pens that probably, were $200 are now $220, then... Right. You know what? Like, so the like, market's changed. Right. So, this range should almost be 150 to 300 because sub 150, the only one in this list is the M205 now. Every other one has increased in price, some all the way over 200, the others on their mm-hmm. way, right? So I think this is actually a bracket change. Um, and the, even then, like the Sailor 1911 standard would not be on that list. Um, you got to include things like the Leonardo Memento Zero, you know, things like that. And then you probably still keep like the Vanishing Point and the Lamy 2000 just because of what this list is trying to say. Um, you know, as it's not a personal preference list. It's what like I would recommend in this list to people, you know, starting out in this hobby. And then that shifts the 200 to 500 price range as well. Right. Like the, like, is that the proper, I've never liked that price range anyway, because there's so much variance in there and you're paying for different things in that wide of a range of price it's like the pilot custom 823 and everything else to be perfectly honest right in that price range which that would still be the same but like would i add something like the monte grappa mia or the monte grappa monte grappa in there and the answer is yes one of those would get added in that list because i think that's just a good recommendation pin to just jump straight into you know a pin at that price point that would give you a good experience right that's what i'm trying to solve that's the question I'm trying to answer with these lists is like, okay, I'm going into this price point. What's going to, where am I going to get my money's worth and have that level of experience? And, you know, I think some of this, some of this stuff needs to be switched around. And, um, sailor would probably make the second list, but I don't know if it would be, it might crack the end of it. You know, because I think you're starting to have a different value proposition um, for a, a $400 Sailor Pro gear than a, you know, $300 Sailor Pro gear. So, you know, it's it's something to think about and something I should explore. I need to explore a little bit more because I think it's time that these lists got shook up a little bit. Those Those two lists in particular. All right, if you would like to send in a question for a future episode of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskTPA, or you can use question mark AskTPA in the FM members' Discord. If you become a FM member, go to relay.fm slash membership or click the link in the show notes. You can sign up. You will get access to the Discord, plus our wonderful specials, including 
me and Brad trying to build a Lego set for three and a half hours where I have the instructions <laughs> and he has the pieces. It's a lot more fun than it sounds. Maybe you want to build along with us. Maybe you just want us on in the background and have that wonderful sense of joy and mild frustration for a few hours in your life. It's a, a big fun time. Uh, you can find our links for this episode at relay.fm slash penaddict slash 461. You can find Brad online at penaddict.com. He is at dowdyism on Twitter and uh, at penaddict on Instagram. Brad streams live on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern time over at twitch.tv slash penaddict. I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter and Instagram. I stream live every Friday over at mike.live where I build custom mechanical keyboards. Uh, you can go and follow me there as well. Uh, we'll be back next time. Thank you again to Candelaya Panko, Uni, and Squarespace for their support of this episode. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs>